Final hour, Mutton Lou, 93.7 WEEI, Red Sox, Yankees, and Bruins, Detroit. A very busy sports line. It'll be a lot of fun. And a guy who always has fun out there, and make sure to tell the players to have fun out there, is our friend Pierre McGuire, NBC Sports. He joins us on the AT&T hotline. He joins us throughout the postseason. We put out the bat signal for him. Pierre, Mutton Lou, how are you? Doing very well, Mike. Good to talk to you. Hello, Lou. Hello there, Pierre. And I just want to say, I know we're getting all the Bruins, but uh, you had the line of the night last night, and it's about three and a half minutes into the game. And, and Fleury is just, I don't know what's going on in that game. And you, you said he's like a Pez dispenser, popping out rebounds left and right. Just a great line. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks a lot, Lou. I appreciate that. Um, he got better. He got better as the game went along, so I give him credit for that. But, boy, oh, boy, the first period was a little bit tougher. Marc-Andre Fleury and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Pierre, let's start with Bruins, and we'll get into the Matt Cook and some discipline things later on because you are locked in as anybody in the league on these sort of things. I-, I thought the two games were played very differently in this series so far, where game one, Detroit was able to keep their composure uh, and play their game and get a beautiful goal by Datsuk late. Game two played at a much more frantic pace. The Bruins able to get physical. The Red Wings reacted, and the Bruins got a huge goal from Lucic end of the second period. Are you surprised how different these two games looked, and do you agree that they were two different stylistic games in this series? Well, first of all, I totally agree that they were two different styles of play. Uh, secondly, I thought that Detroit played exactly the way they wanted to play on Friday night. In game number one, I thought they were outstanding. Not that Boston was poor, but Boston couldn't impose their will. I thought they'd get more bodies to the net. They didn't do that in game one. In game two, they were able to take the speed element out of Detroit's game by and large by doing an excellent job in the neutral zone, by getting more bodies to the net, by being more physical on the Detroit Red Wings defense, by taking some of the skill elements out of the Detroit Red Wings defense with that physical play. And the top line was very good. Again, Lucic and Krejci were outstanding. And the Bruins' penalty killing was exceptional. And the big reason why is their neutral zone dominance in the, new, uh, in the penalty kill was, was phenomenal. It really was great. Yeah, I think we always talk about, you know, toughness, physicality, and we just look at hits. And I think that's a mistake. I think, like you said, it's attacking the net, uh, possession of the puck, back check, forecheck. And I think that's one of the biggest differences. We saw more urgency, right? Totally agree. Couldn't agree with you more, Lou. You know, one of the things I showed on Friday night, uh, and I know a lot of Boston viewers couldn't watch it because we're blacked out in Boston on the uh, on the weekday nights, but showed the, the tenacity of the Detroit Red Wings in their back-checking, and that's a physical brand of hockey. It's not crushing somebody. It's separating from the puck. It's forcing turnovers. It's imposing your will with your speed and taking away scoring opportunities because of that speed. I thought Detroit did that really well on Friday night. They were not nearly as good at it. Sunday afternoon, and a big reason why, again, is because Boston brought a different characteristic to the game, and that was physical play along with a lot of skill. Did you agree with uh, Mike Babcock after that second game when he basically said, look, want to play our style of play or their style of play, Pierre, and acknowledging that those four roughing penalties are not the way Detroit's going to win this series? Oh, I totally agree. In fact, he told me that during my second period interview with him on the bench. Um, because he said, let's be honest, we're not playing the way we're right. capable of playing, and we need to be better. He, so he actually said that to me during the game. He saw the same thing you saw, but and the same thing most of the fans uh, saw. So, no, they can't play. If they want to get into a street fight with the Boston Bruins, they have no chance. They're going down fast. So they have to do it a different way, and we'll see whether they can do that or not. I would tell you this, and I know, Lou, you weren't there on Friday, but might I told you and Tom Karen on Friday, the one thing about Mike Babcock, I think he's the most creative coach in the NHL, 
and he'll find a way to sell the plan to his players. So that's the one caveat I'd have going into tonight's game. The Bruins better not let off the accelerator because if they do, they're going to have a problem. And a quick follow-up on that because a lot of people asked after your appearance Friday when you said that. Do you, did you say – the way you said it made it seem like you think that the Babcock and Detroit has a major – not a major, but a coaching advantage over the Bruins in this series, Pierre. Do you feel that way, that Babcock has the advantage over Claude Julien? No, it's just he presents things differently. The Bruins are ingrained in a certain element of play. They didn't have to change their tactics or their style of play ever since Claude Julien has been there because they have the same type of players. It's basically been the same team since 2010. Yeah, there have been a couple role reversals, but the Bruins have an ideology and a characteristic to the way they play, and they adhere to that. Detroit had to change significantly because of the fact they had so many injuries this year. Their roster got younger in a hurry, and their defense not nearly as good without Nick Lidstrom and Brian Rafalski. They had to change a lot of what they've done. So the creativity of Babcock's message comes in. They've had to change on the fly, and they've done it unbelievably well. It doesn't mean that Claude Julien can't keep up with it, I'm just telling you, the one thing Mike's done, and that's a big reason why they're in the playoffs, is because Mike has been able to take this roster, remold it, and remake it on the fly, and he's made them very dangerous. You know, the power play, uh, the penalty kill, I should say, for the Boston Bruins, you guys did a great job pointing out how the Bruins are approaching it. Uh, you, you talked about Babcock. What does he have to do to maybe control the puck into the Bruins' zone in the power plays? Well, here's the number one thing, and that's why I showed those neutral zone plays of, of what Boston's doing. They're stacking it up. It's layering the, the neutral zone. I know it sounds like a foreign term, but it works, trust me. And, and Mike Babcock's team did that at the Olympics, too, for Team Canada. The layering factor makes it almost impossible to penetrate the zone with puck possession by carrying it in. So they've basically taken away Detroit's options. Um, to get into the zone. Boston done a really good job with that. They're, they're Doug Huda and Claude Julian and Jeff Ward deserve a lot of credit on that. Doug Jarvis as well. We're talking so to now, Pierre. Yep, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Pierre. Sorry, cut you off. I was just going to say, because now Detroit's going to have to do something that's not characteristic for them. They're going to have to shoot the puck in and go retrieve it, Lou, and that's a different deal. So now we'll see if Detroit can make that kind of adjustment because that's not an easy thing to do. They like to gain entry with puck possession rather than shoot in and retrieval. So we'll see if they can do that tonight. Something else you told us Friday, Pierre, when TC was here, was that so far in the playoffs you noticed that there was a good amount of targeting going on, that teams were being allowed to target other players. And I can't help but notice in what you mentioned uh, on Sunday, which is that Brendan Smith is the guy the Bruins have gone after where would you rank it among the games you've seen so far, the Bruins and their approach with Brendan Smith and making sure he's been a focal point of what they're doing? Oh, I mean, it's been huge because even Brendan alluded to it uh, when I did a pre-game um, interview with him. Mutt, and he basically said, you know, they, they're trying to get me off my game. They're trying to get me to take penalties and turn the puck over. So it's clearly in a pre-scout, they decided that maybe he could be the guy that could be forced into that. But in terms of other series – nothing speaks louder to the targeting issue than what took place in St. Louis and Chicago. And you look at what happened with David Backus, you look at what's happened with Jonathan Taves, and you look at what's happened with Duncan Keith. So targeting's been alive and well in the playoffs for a very long time. But that's why I said what I said to you on Friday. I've been watching all these games, and I've been working a game every night in a different city. Last night I was in Columbus, and you look at what Sidney Crosby's having to go through with what Columbus is doing to him. Tonight I'm here in Detroit to do the Detroit-Boston game, and clearly Brendan Smith will be one of those targeted players. But don't think the Bruins aren't going after uh, 
Pavel Datsuk either. And, and don't think Detroit's not going to try to go after David Krejci. So, you know, you pick your poison. You, you, the targeting is very apparent the entire playoff. You know, one of the things I think a lot of people are concerned with maybe is the youth and the defensemen and, and, and the matchups and how that's going to play out. In Boston, it was a very quiet uh, – Nyquist's line, you know, Tatar, really didn't do too much. What kind of uh, differences do you think you're going to see out in Detroit? How does Babcock kind of free those guys up with certain matchups maybe going up against other lines? Well, one of the things that has to happen, <clears throat> Lou, with that line in particular, because Tatar and Nyquist aren't overly large, but they're really quick, is Riley Shahan, who's the center on that line. He's going to have to become more physically imposing to try to create some more room. Um, and he's going. To, one of the other things they're going to have to do is chip and chase and check a lot more because Boston's defense has done a really good job in the neutral zone, especially in game number two. I thought they were outstanding. But that's that's going to be the big thing. Now, I'm going to be interested, as I told Mud on Friday to see what uh, Detroit was going to try to do to attack Boston because they like the stretch pass a lot, and and we saw that in game number one. In game number three here, it's going to be interesting to see what Mike does in terms of keeping Shahan, Tatar, and Nyquist away from checkers. He gets last change. Let's see how he handles it. Did the league get it right in just a $5,000 fine for Milan Lucic trying to test the undercarriage <laughs> of uh, Kaiser uh, over the weekend, Pierre? I won't tell you what I think. I'm going to tell you what came to me from a lot of different coaches and players around the league because everybody evaluates these things. Don't forget that Milan had done this before. He did it to uh, Alexi Emelin in the Montreal Canadiens-Boston Bruins game, a game that was actually on the NBC Sports Network. I did the game with Doc Emmerich. So it's happened before. A lot of people thought he should have got one game and a $5,000 fine, but the $5,000 fine still sends a message, don't do it again. And as I was telling Joe before I came on with you guys, and I mean this sincerely, Milan knew that's not the way he's supposed to play. Boy, did he play a great game on Sunday. It's almost like he was playing guilty. I thought he played a fantastic game on Sunday. I really did. What about the Matt Cook situation? Uh, we, we got into we got into it a little bit. It's just, yep. what, do you, what do you do that's with him? I know it's been three years, Pierre, but still, what he did at Tyson Barry, that was just, that's uncalled for. You gotta, it's got to be minimum 10, if you ask me. Well, he's got an in-person hearing, number one. Um, number two, Tyson Berry is a very important part. And I know people in Boston don't know this yet because they haven't watched Colorado a lot. Tyson Berry is a hugely important player on that team. He's one of the better uh, offensive young defensemen in the National Hockey League. He really is, and he's been a huge part of that resurgence, especially with the way Patrick Waugh has been coaching them to be an aggressive offensive team. Uh, I watched that so many times as I was in the car coming from uh, Columbus to Detroit last night after our game in, in Columbus. And you just see the left leg come out, and you see the knee turn, and you see it, it's almost like it's a guided missile. It's just, it was real. And listen, I'm going to tell you something about Matt Cook. He's done a great job rehabilitating his life and rehabilitating his career. That being said, he did a bad thing last night. He did a bad thing, and he'll he'll pay the price for it. He'll definitely pay the price for it. I don't know how many games but he'll pay the price. I, I, what was your guess, BPR, when the when the meeting is over and the news comes out? What's your best guess on what Matt Cook gets from Quintal in the NHL? You know, earlier this morning I, I was here in one game, and then oh so, <laughs> no, 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 but it, no. It, no, no, but it, it, no, 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 it won't. That's what I was hearing very, very early this morning, just with people and how they were reacting. But as I saw it, and you have to remember now, I saw it in a car, and then I saw it when I got back to my hotel room at 2.30 this morning. Um, I think it's going to be much more severe than that, much, much more severe than that. 
You know, Pierre, just real quick after these two games, which you've seen from the Bruins, kind of that game two, they've come around, and they brought that more physicality, the aggressiveness. Uh, do you still think this can be a long series, or do you think if they can, can maintain that style of play that this thing can be over soon enough? This, this is a hard play, building to play in. Just as Boston's a very difficult building to play in, Joe Lewis is a difficult building to play in because the boards are so fast. And that plays to the strengths, obviously, of the Detroit Red Wings with the speed and the counterattack game. And they utilize the boards here as well as any team in the league utilizes home ice advantage. So if, if Detroit were to win tonight, obviously, I'm stating pretty much the obvious, it becomes a very long series. If they don't win tonight, then I think it's very problematic for the Red Wings. Pierre, great stuff as always. Appreciate the time, and uh, we'll connect later on this week. Yeah, I look forward to talking with you gentlemen on Friday. And by the way, just a shout-out to all the volunteers, all the fans uh, of the marathon, all the great citizens of Boston. Watching that yesterday and to see the celebration of humankind was phenomenal. I was, I'm proud to say I lived in your city for six years, and I go, go there a ton. But to watch that was just overwhelming. It was a great celebration of humankind, and way to go, everybody. That was really great to watch. It was a great day in Boston, Pierre. Look forward to get you back in here uh, over the weekend, hopefully, and later on in the play- postseason, and we'll talk to you Friday morning, Friday afternoon. you got to Take care, much. See you later, Lou. All right, Pierre. There he is, Pierre McGuire, NBC Sports Network, and he joins us. And Pierre and all our Bruins coverage brought to you by HSA Insurance, insurance benefits made easy. I- Sorry to step on him there when he said he was hearing one game. <laughs> but if they give Matt Cook one game. We're early. We're like 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, someone just joking. Is that like a, it has to be. It has to be. This will be his seventh suspension. I don't care he has that one since the uh, March of 2011 when he got Ryan McDonough. His seventh suspension.